Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail. We are delighted to welcome you to today's episode of Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Our signature is featuring women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who lead lives that illustrate inspiring ways to learn, contribute, and make a difference as we age. The 30-minute conversation with our guest will focus on several themes that we've agreed upon in advance. And today, we are pleased to introduce Dr. Joyce Sutphin, age 70. I'm going to borrow from the introduction to Joyce's most recent book of poems, Carrying Water to the Fields, to offer a, a brief sense of who she is. Joyce was raised on a family farm in central Minnesota, the oldest of nine children. She went on to become a college professor of English, literature, creative writing. She's a Shakespearean scholar. Joyce is a mother, grandmother, and life partner. And she is the current Poet Laureate of Minnesota, the second person to hold this honor. Now, what the introduction to this eighth collection of poems fails to mention is that Joyce and I have been dear friends for 52 years since the beginning of our student days at the University of Minnesota. In the next 30 minutes, Gail and I will talk with Joyce about her life as a poet and as someone living with a chronic health condition. So Joyce, thank you for being with us from your home in Chaska, Minnesota, and for sharing your gifts with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And speaking of gifts, Joyce, let's begin with the poem. Okay. I'm going to read a poem from my first book. Um, The title of the poem is Crossroads. The second half of my life will be black to the white rind of the old and fading moon. The second half of my life will be water over the cracked floor of these desert years. I will land on my feet this time knowing at least two languages and who my friends are. I will dress for the occasion, and my hair shall be whatever color I please. Everyone will go on celebrating the old birthday, counting the years as usual, but I will count myself new from this inception, this imprint of my own desire. The second half of my life will be swift, past leaning fence posts, a gravel shoulder, asphalt tickets, the beckon of open road. The second half of my life will be wide-eyed, fingers sifting through fine sands, arms loose at my sides, wandering feet. There will be new dreams every night, and the drapes will never be closed. I will toss my string of keys into a deep well and old letters into the grate. The second half of my life will be ice breaking up on the river, rain soaking the fields, a hand held out, a fire and smoke going upward, always 
Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's beautiful. beautiful, Joyce. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, Joyce, I know that poetry is a way of life for you and that it's uh, threads across pretty much all aspects of your life. And it, tell us what, what, what does poetry do for you? Poetry, I think if I didn't write poems, I wouldn't know myself as well as I do. I, I think I discover things that I think and how I, how I feel about the world. Um, I discover those in poems because poems, um, don't work unless you let some kind of magic happen. And, you know, I think some, I, I'm not sure who said this, but it's like you're, a poet is lucky if they can stand in the right place and get hit by lightning every once in a while. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's that old saying, Robert Frost said this, if no surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader. I, th I think people go to poems, they're, they're little packages, and you just, you read them and you, you want to go away with a little nugget or a little thing, little gold <laughs> shining thing in your hand. And the best poems, I mean, not everybody can do this, but the best poems take the top off of your head, Emily Dickinson said. <laughs> you know, they just kind of blow you away. And we all need to get blown away <laughs> every once in a while. That's, I would agree. So Joyce, when did you start writing poetry? Has this been a lifelong pursuit for you? Well, sort of and sort of not. I mean, I, I, I have friends who had little journals when they were four years old and five and their mother mothers saved their precocious poetry i didn't i i i mean the closest i came to that was the cowboy novel that i was writing when i was helping my dad um out outside and like i worked on that and it ended up in the in the school incinerator because I was working on it in school. <laughs> but um, I wrote some poetry in high school and I wrote some in college. I don't know if Catherine knew that. Um, and they were usually in college more romantic and <laughs> probably melodramatic. Um, <laughs> But I really didn't feel that I was anywhere near, you know, being a poet or if that that was anything I was going to do. I just um, loved words. I, I loved how words sound, sounded, and I loved um, words with music. I mean, we grew, we came of age during such a fantastic time with Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, Joni Mitchell, and, um, you know, just any number of folk composers, singers. And I think it was sort of connected with that. But, but then I really started writing in grad school later. Um, 
1990. And Joyce, you went to grad you went to grad school not straight not straight out of undergrad. So what? Were you oh doing? no, I didn't even straight out of undergrad. <laughs> you know, I think we we remember those days um, at the end of the 60s, 1970, Kent State. And, um, so there was a little interruption in in my um, progress, and I, I did have to go back to finish the bachelor's degree and did that about 10 years, you know, past the time when I would have finished it had I um, gone straight through and then immediately started um, a master's program and then thought, oh, why not do a PhD? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm on a roll here. <laughs> right. I mean, perpetual student, yes, I could be that. Well, you were also raising three wonderful daughters. Um, That's true. And um, going to Suzuki violin lessons and <laughs> library programs and, um, you know, just volunteering at, at school and all sorts of things and, and, and doing some uh, um, writing that had to do with cri um, criticism and more journalism kind of writing. I want to get back to or talk about have you talk about some of the the major themes of your writing and your poetry in particular. Rural living um, certainly is is prominent in many of your your collections and especially in this latest one, carrying water to the fields. And that there's also, I think I see themes of of body, of death, dying. Um what is that about for you? Well, um, it occurs to me that we all have our um, kind of favorite subjects. I mean, just by, by virtue of our, our individualness and our personalities, you know, I mean, um, the body, um, for example, just to take that one, I, I have a poem about the body, living in the body, um, this body, the body I used to live in, coming back to the body, you know, different poems. And, I, you know, I couldn't have told you why, but now it seems kind of um, interesting and sort of ironic that my body <laughs> is not um, behaving exactly the way I wanted to and I know that happens to all of us as we age but um, the, I have um, Parkinson's which you um, alluded to at the beginning of the show and um, that's a, one that you know sometimes you you your your knee your foot shakes or you, you can't really control it. And so even though I um, thought I knew what I was talking about when I wrote the first poem, Living in the Body, you know, started out, body is something you have to have in order to stay on this planet, you know. Um, but it's 
it's like, oh, you want to know about living in the body? Okay. Um, yeah, you, 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 person, human being, here's how it goes. And so I, it's like a challenge. I want to, I want to keep following it and I want to keep trying to understand and accept and, um, and work hard to, um, maintain it and how, and how what are some of the ways you do, you go about that well i love walking i'm a um really long distance walker and and daily walking i'm a little sad now in minnesota i don't know if it's as cold there as it's been um the last couple of days but it's just pretty brutal out there so I've been walking on the indoor track and which is delightful I I love um, seeing the same people every morning and um, we're all in our little worlds you know with earbuds in maybe listening to NPR or some music or a podcast probably women over 70 podcast I think they're all listening to that and um, so the um, um, not too long ago I wrote a poem about those those people you know so that it's just the walkers at the community center and <laughs> so whatever you do um, nice thing about um, poetry, the way I conceive of it, is you can come to your favorite subjects or you can write about something you've never expected to write about. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for sharing that. I, um, in terms of writing about your favorite subjects, a lot of your work is, has to do with rural living, the, the, the art and soul of living in a rural, a rural life. Why do you keep writing about that? Well, no one in my family is going to farm the way my father did. And um, it's it's at least my way of farming, I think. It's my way of keeping, um, keeping against oblivion. You know, I mean, the farms are going to disappear. We, we can see them when we ride across the country and see it just a silo standing and um you know we know that there was a a beautiful barn at one point and a little circle of buildings and a yard light that and a windmill and a windmill um that my mother would knock over um with a tractor you know i mean just there there were all these places and and i don't I, I don't have the numbers, but I mean, the difference between 1950 and 2020, um, as far as um, how many family farms there are, and, um, you know, I, I just rode, drove to Colorado and, and the fields along the way in Nebraska and Iowa are huge. Mm-hmm. The, the tractors are like behemoths, you know, they're, they're just amazing. And so I, I, have, I really, you know, want to 
get as much of that down. Um, and I, I, I have two books that are specifically, um, I, I would call my, my farm books, um, first words and afterwords. And I think, I think I probably shouldn't name my third, the third one of the trilogy, um, last words, but, um, some kind of another, you know, another part of that I want, I want, to write I, I'm not finished with that subject it's oh good yeah so I, I many members of my family and uh, some friends who have the, the the farm background that we share are getting carrying water to the fields for their holiday gifts so just oh, so you know good. because um, I I hope that they will feel the way people um, I've gotten to talk to last week I was in Winona Minnesota is usually usually in the question and answer part. There will be some kind of um, comment about. Um, so, what kind of tractors did your family drive? Or you you had red tractors. It must have been International Harvester Farm. We had John Deere's. You know, then there's like a little. Mm. A, it's. It's just fun, and people come up and say, "Oh, your your father sounds just like my uncle, mm -hmm. or my dad, or my grandpa." Um, and your mom canned things the way, you know, my mom mom did. And it's it's I have nice. A question to, for you, Joyce. Yeah. Do you? Is it? <clears throat> excuse me. Do you teach? Poetry is. Can you teach someone how to create poetry? Oh, there's lots of things that you can teach. You can teach. Um, you can teach form, um, shaping the page. You know what what makes a poem. What, how that language. How that actual language is a language within the language. It's it's um, it's hard to describe but you if you um you, you there's a difference between language that's um go, shambling along walking along and language that's dancing i'm not saying that every poet writes so that their lines are um sort of musical and 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 um more rhythmic than ordinary language, but there's a difference. So you can you can point that out. You can teach it. You can teach actually metrical lines and have students you know experiment with that. Um, you can read poems to them that take the top of your head off and hope that they do that for them and um, or ones that. Um, just kind of come to some wonderful realization at the end. And you know, um, there's there's one I love called "Lying in a Hammock at William Duffy's Farm," and <laughs> the poet describes just lying in that hammock, and and you know, he, over my head I can see this, and down the ravine I can there's that, and I hear the cowbells. And then he, at the end, he says, he, he's described it all, and he just stops, and he says, 
I've wasted my life. (laughs) And then, you know, the students or listeners just kind of go, whoa. And, And then the thing is, has he wasted it because he's been lying in the hammock? I don't think so. He's wasted it because he's never just settled down to watch how evening comes on and how the birds fly over. And, you know, I mean, it's like he's in that bliss and then he just realizes this is the way he wants to live. And so you can, you can, um, you can make, uh, give an example like that, and I think you get, you know, I mean, in the end, it has to be the, the perspiration and inspiration of, you know, the individual, but um, you can definitely open a, a nice door for them. Yeah, that's, that's, it's Good to know. <laughs> I used to write a lot of poetry as a child and as a young adult and even into later years, I guess. I find that when I write poetry, it has a lot to do with things, bad things that are happening around me. And, and <laughs> poetry yeah. gives me an opportunity to express it and get it out. And I think that is the way that a, most, a lot of people come to poetry and then, um, at, you know, hopefully um, they find it is the constant companion and one that can go even into a, a fairly sunny, um, a delightful day at times and not always have to be. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. You know, Joyce, um, you and I were talking recently about uh, going back to your your um, living with Parkinson's and having to deal with medications uh, in, in addition to walking and movement and all the things you do to yeah. manage. And you um, you said something like, well, poetry is my drug of choice. <laughs> you remember it's, that? Yeah, that's that I would um, I would. Um, vote for that again I would say that I would testify you know because um, I think when when I've written a draft of a new poem and I feel that it's just real that it just happened and and I I worked hard to let it come you know I kind of burst the poem Mm -hmm. into the world and i i feel like that's the best day that's i you know it's kind of like that we used to say that it's just a natural good feeling Mm -hmm. um, natural high thank Um, you you know i um our time is coming to a close and i i would love to to actually close with another poem from you okay the um the one that I'm especially interested in I think it's called how am I doing yeah it's with the with the end of the new section of the the book and um I I'll read that one how I'm doing 
Sometimes the shaking stops, my handwriting loosens, and I have a moment of pure stillness. I don't forget the other thing. I don't pretend I'll be spared the usual humiliations. For many years, age was just a coat I wore, though lately I see how tattered it's become, a paltry thing. I've many friends on that other shore, singing, counting swans, gathered by the river to wave, a, wave to us as we pass by in our cars, the radio filled with voices disappearing into the rear view mirror. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for yes. sharing that. And wow. you're welcome. I never read that one before out, out loud. So not, that was your first reading of that one? Yeah, that was. Oh, well, we're special. <laughs> you are. You <laughs> love the show so Thank much. Thank, Joyce, thank you so much for being our guest today. Uh, we are just delighted to, to have you among our inspiring women over 70. <laughs> and listeners, thank we, you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> listeners, we, we want to hear from you. Please share your thoughts on Facebook at Women Over 70. Ask questions. Add to the conversation. Tell us what topics you'd like to hear more about and become an active participant in our community. Invite your friends, family, and colleagues to join in. Our goal is to create an intergenerational conversation. You can access our weekly Wednesday podcast at womenover70.com. And if you know a woman over 70 who would be a great guest, please recommend her to us on our website. Thanks to the School of Continuing and Professional Studies at DePaul University for use of their recording space. And we will see you next week on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myth that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.